Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. We are all back together. Is this the first time in a month? Best uh, part of. Three weeks, I think. We have got all three of us, so let's, without further ado, hands in, pod on three. One, two, three. Pod! pod. Thank you very much for downloading the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast with myself. I'm Tim, and as I said, all three of us are here. JB is here. Good day, Tim. And Phil is here. Hi, Tim. It doesn't feel right just letting you come back to the normal music. I've got... Do you know what I've got? I've gone on to the... You've been in Thailand, Phil. Uh, no, Vietnam. Vietnam. Same thing. Same. <laughs> well, I've got the Dalsim oh, stage yeah. of the old Street Fighter 2, and I'm about to press play on that stage... Welcome back, Phil. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't Dalsim uh, India? Was it? Was it oh yeah, he was. was it Sagat? Sagat Saga. was the Thai, Thai boxer. Oh, Sagat was the Thai boxer. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wow. Sagat theme. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't believe I got that wrong. Phil's back. <laughs> Good that music. sounds legitimately Thai. Uh, yes. <laughs> But because I was in Vietnam, <laughs> wrong again. Back to full strength. Now we have got a brilliant round of Aviva Premiership and Pro 12 matches and the Championship as well to talk about. We are going to be previewing the biggest match of the domestic calendar. Well, not domestic. Well, you know what I mean. It is domestic, European. The European Champions Cup final between Clermont Auvergne and Toulon once again. And also the European Challenge Cup final too. At Rugby Podcast is where you can find us on Twitter. We're on the Acast app, the top guys at Acast there. Get, download their app and listen to the podcast through it or via iTunes. Phil, how was your trip in Thailand then, mate? <laughs> Vietnam. <laughs> Vietnam, sorry. How was your trip in Vietnam? Uh, really, really good. Highlights include drinking some 16 pence beers. What? Uh, down by the riverfront in Hoi An, which was beautiful. Uh, and just how different Hanoi and Ho Chi Minh, formerly Saigon, are to anything I've ever experienced before. I've never been to Asia before. I did try and watch the... Saracens Claremont game in an Aussie bar in oh, really? in Hoi An, but they weren't showing it. They were showing Pro Twelve. Uh, uh, sorry, West, yeah, Pro Twelve. Western Force, not the Pro Twelve. Oh, weird. Western well, Force the Pro 12? someone else. What is that unbelievable smell that you've got over there, <laughs> Phil? It's some Vietnamese coffee, Tim. You know I like my coffee. Oh, I know. And I brought some back for both you and Jay. Actually, some some presents. Vietnamese aluminium coffee makers that go on the top of your cup. Oh. And I've also, alongside that. Brought you another gift. Oh, wow. Is, is I'm, just, I'm just going to try this coffee while you get that out. Yeah, have some coffee. Oh. So the, the coffee's good, isn't oh, it? Oh, that's good. Really good. Now, Tim, for you, I've brought some uh, roasted squid. Some dehydrated oh, wow. roasted squid. Perfect. Good protein, that. <laughs> it is good source of protein. And taurine, which is something that's in Red Bull, according to the little squid on the front. So oh, I'm not, wow. not so sure about so that. So is the squid endorsed by Red Bull? I'm not sure if there's squid in Red Bull, if that's what they're trying to say. Okay. Are you sure that's a squid? Because if I just do that... <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely... Is it a mushroom? Is def- it a mushroom? It looks like a mushroom of sorts. <laughs> yeah. Not a sort of mushroom that I'd personally want to eat. <laughs> I don't know. And for you, Jay, I've got some anchovy fish crisps. Oh, delicious. I've been looking for these everywhere. Yes. So can I just eat these without doing... Uh, I, I believe you can. Let's give it a go. The smell on that. <laughs> wow. Mm, these are interesting. <laughs> may, may I, Jay? I didn't experience these in uh, hmm. in Vietnam. Weirdly, they taste like um, oh, anchovies. Quite mild, though. That's ri- Just get the smell when that comes near you. Do you mm. mean South African, you get biltong. This is basically their biltong. Yeah. It, yeah, basically. Asian biltong. Yeah. It's all right, actually. That, that's good. I'll do a bit of that after my next workout. Mm. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. Tolerable. 
Uh, well, getting into rugby then, because we've got so much to talk about, boys. Um, and we've got a very special guest on today's um, podcast as well from the United States of America, which I will we will get into in just a minute. But let's talk about the top of the table in the Aviva Premiership. We've just come to the podcast having watched Wasps defeat Exeter uh, and yesterday seen Northampton defeat Saracens and Bath defeat London Irish. The thing I took away from Bath is that probably Sam Burgess didn't deserve more of the match, but he's a much better six than he is 12. I think that's universally appreciated. Is, what we, is that not what we've said from <laughs> from before he was a rugby union player? We say an awful lot of things here, Tim, which are incredibly true and no one ever acts upon. <laughs> it takes about, we're about a month ahead of the curve. At least with Sam At Burgess. At least, I'd say yeah. six months, nine months ahead of the curve. But yeah, definitely. Anyway, um, better the late th- than never. The other thing as well is, I thought, London Irish defended really, really well for the first half. And at some point, I thought it was going to be a bit of a smash and grab effort by Irish to get ahead and maybe push Bath all the way. But second half, Bath just looked a little bit too, a little bit too strong. It could have been possibly. I, I'd be absolutely livid if I were London Irish. I mean, you can't. You have to hold your hands up and go right. Second half wasn't good enough. But they've been in a good run of form recently, London Irish, mm. and that was a penalty try in the first half. They should have gone in with a five-seven point cushion which I mean it's all coulda woulda shoulda maybe Bath would have won anyway but my guess is if that had been Bath on London Irish's five yard line and they'd driven the ball I over completely agree it would have been that. a penalty try Bath yeah. Yeah. so that, that's what would have annoyed me but what I did like however was Glenn Delaney didn't mention it at all in the post-match chat to contrast with guys like Steve Diamond and Richard Cockrell, for example, who, when they have a decision that goes against them, just bleat about it ad nauseum. Yes. And I just think it's a sign of weakness and desperation when a coach starts bleating about referees. And it's it's interesting, it's happened more with Richard Cockrell this year when Leicester have been struggling. And it's happened with Steve Diamond every time Sale looked to be under a bit of pressure. Yeah. Before Diamond starts complaining about the ref, you should look at the two charge down kicks and not defending the blind side when Danny Kerr scooted in to give Harlequins a 25 points to six lead. Yeah, it's good effort at comeback. There was, a, there was a couple of games this weekend that were that were a tale of two halves, but uh, but dealing with just what Wasps Exeter for a second, is that it for Exeter in the top four? I mean, I know mathematically I they've got a shout. They've got well, Sale at home on the last game of the season. They're, they're still only one point behind. They're still only three points off Saracens. And Saracens, after losing that game to Northampton... They have moved down from second to third place. I can't make heads or tails of Exeter, really. I mean, some games they look wonderful. I think it's comparable with their prop. Francis. Francis, uh, yeah. Uh, Thomas Francis, thank you. Because he played extremely well against Northampton, as did all of Exeter. And then he's got absolutely hammered by... the. uh, By the way, that Wasps front row, I've been saying it for a long time, are excellent. But he also got hammered against um, the team they played previously. Gloucester, Gloucester, Nick Nick Wood. And it seems to be when they don't have their platform, they they do tend to struggle, as would anyone. They've got to go Exeter away to Saracens on Sunday the 10th of May, a couple of weekends' time. And Leicester have got to go away to Wasps. Tasty couple of games on the Sunday. I don't know how they're going to go. You, I'd expect Saracens to win that one, and therefore, if Wasps beat Leicester, they leapfrog. It could come to bonus oh. points. It could well, come to, Wasps leapfrog the both of them. Yeah, I think Wasps could do it. You know, looking at them today, they're just so powerful and they're so fast. I mean, what? someone said to me, uh, we were watching the game. Someone said to me because I thought Elliot Daly was quite quiet today, and someone pointed out that it might be because he'd been marked out of the game because he's a threat. But the whole backline is a threat from mm. Wade to Daly to Simpson. Any one of those guys can score from almost anywhere. Mm. They're terrifying. Apart from Andy Good. Yeah, Andy Good can kick anything in, you know, his half or their half of the field. He's very, very good. Um, <laughs> two, two, two good teams in the continued improvement of Wasps. And I've got to be fair, you know, gave them some stick earlier in the season for the, the way they treated their, their fans, perhaps, with the move to the Rico. But, but they've got a load you, of new ones, so you who can't, cares? You can't argue <laughs> in terms of we want to grow the game and you can't argue with the number of people they're getting to their home games and the style of rugby they're playing. It's like they dumped... If I live near there, I'd be going down there to watch, the, watch them play. Agreed. It's like they dumped their old, quite nice girlfriend for one which is significantly hotter. <laughs> <laughs> and for that, I commend them. And one that earns significantly more money. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there is a moral to that story. <laughs> <laughs> Northampton Saracens. Then that was a that was a big game. That was intense. Yes, I felt really sorry for Saracens, and mm. I also predicted Saracens to win, um, which made me look a bit silly. Not far off. I, I felt sorry for. Well, I felt sorry for Billy Vanapola, who's. Yep. Injured his ankle and came off. I also felt sorry for Chris Wiles, who is in the form of his life at the yeah. moment. Yeah. There was a, a passage of play where Chris Wiles had to scramble back for the ball. 
and it kind of summed up the game. It was just intensely physical. I mean, it was all just the backs, but he got smashed, he went down. The rucking from Northampton was intense. And then at the very end, when they were trying to play their way out of their... Uh, well, trying to play their way out, their out of the five-yard line and ended up <laughs> being pushed into their own try line. Uh, was it Farrell offloading off behind his own... Yeah. The try line. That's the yeah. kind of thing that Quaid Cooper can get away with, yeah. but not, not, not Owen Farrell. Not Owen Farrell. Not the same skill sets. <laughs> yeah. We'll come back to the Premiership, discuss, there's lots more to talk about there with the other games and the other ramifications and a bit more about the games that we've just touched on briefly. But Phil, let's, let's, uh, you're, you're our sort of Pro 12 expert, an Ulster fan. So Le- Leinster Ulster, tell us about that game. Or did they play? <laughs> they did, as, as you will know from your countdown last week, <laughs> on last week's pod. Which I really enjoyed last week's pod, by the way, guys. Oh, uh, thanks. I was listening uh, while enjoying a beer on a rooftop bar in, it, in Saigon. It would definitely sound better. A rooftop bar in Saigon? What is that? One story? Two stories? Saig- uh, <laughs> Half a story? 19th, 19th Saigon is remarkably westernised. Is it? Yeah. Oh, really? really? So, uh, Hanoi in the north is pretty much third world, but Saigon is like, like a Newport Euro- or something like, like, like that. European city. <laughs> Maybe like Newport. Um, just last week's pod, two two little things. Yeah, I was pleased to see that Jay won a quiz. Although I'm not so pleased it was g- given at my expense. <laughs> well, <laughs> and your comparison or analogy of the Falcon Wars, where Britain, yeah, be, was Britain the being the bully. Yeah, I have thought in this, about this. In the analogy. It bothered me. Do, you, Britain... do I need to explain this? No, 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 you don't. No, no, I think, I think never we're best, explain the Falklands War again. I think we're best. I think we're best leaving that. Oh, but that right, that did upset me a little bit. Um, <laughs> anyway, onto on Ulster Lens. It was grossly offensive. That's what it was. It, <laughs> it was to me. My sister lived for two years on the Falkland Islands. Anyway, Ulster Leinster was, yes. was a great game. Really high standard of play. Three really good tries. Three cracking lines. Tries from both teams. Mm-hmm. Bruin Pienaar masterclass throughout the game. But it's meant that Ulster have secured at least a, a semi-final berth. And Leinster will not be in the final for the first time since 2009. And they've, they've not finished in the top four for the first time since 2004. Wow. 11 years of finishing in the top four wow. in the Pro Tour. So it, I don't know what it kind of shows you, whether it's a, a more competitive league this year or because of the, the changes to the European Cup qualification or whether their injuries earlier on in the season have had a, a bigger effect. Well, uh, Pro 12 for me doesn't really float my boat. But the reason it doesn't is because when I look through the fixtures, even though I don't follow it, I can accurately predict them because I just know which teams are good, I know which teams are bad, and it just seems to always play out in that manner. I think last week in that little jokey thing which I did, I actually predicted pretty much every score correctly. And and that's what bothers me. I don't think it is competitive. But it's not at the moment because you've already got the four teams who are now qualified. So there was some nothingness games so you're always going to get the better team winning As I think throughout the season it has shown to be more generally more competitive so do you think that Leinster not going through is a result of all the other teams taking the Pro 12 more seriously to get European qualification whereas Leinster were focused more on Europe I'm not sure if it was that or how much of the, their injuries, how much their injury, injuries contributed. They to had it a lot because, of injuries. Let's be yeah. fair. Some really key positions as well, and they got to a European Champions well, Cup semi final, and they're going to be in that tournament again next year. You would think, you know what? They'll, they'll probably take that. To be honest, that they and they weren't far away from making a, a, another European final. So that is very, very true. Uh, right. Now, we have a special guest which you're going to hear from on the podcast. Now, in recent weeks, we've had David Flatman and Ian Bullshaw. We've had Martin Bayfield. And today, we are going across the other side of the Atlantic to one of the biggest names in broadcasting in America. And that's not an exaggeration. It actually isn't. It actually isn't. Now, (laughs) you may not know his name, but he is probably up there. He wouldn't be quite in, in the same bracket, but he'd be one peg below Howard Stern. Yeah. In terms of a, a name in America. So well done, JB, for get, bagging him for our show. I'm a, hu- I'm a huge fan of the guy, so... Adam Carolla is his name. Now, go on. Then. So, so for anyone that hasn't heard of Adam Carolla, and people in America will know instantly who we're talking about, but if you've never heard of him... Radio personality. He's currently got a film out called Road Hard and just done a documentary on Paul Newman. In addition to this, he's done many, many things in the past, and he also has the world's biggest podcast. Well, I've just, I've just got his Wikipedia page up. And he's got a Guinness World Record as the most downloaded podcast, which confused me a little bit because I thought we 
Yeah, the exclusive surely. rugby podcast. What's going on? Hang on, held that record. So, not only has he got a Guinness World Record for a podcast, we do as well because we've obviously got Tim's Guinness World Record, legitimately, uh, right? A legitimate. I'm the fastest person at drinking half a liter, of, uh, half a liter of liquid. I love it. That is legitimate. If anyone doesn't believe me, I have a, and, ha, I have and a certificate. And where did you develop this skill for drinking half a liter of water, Tim? Um, is it just because you like drinking half a liter of water really quickly, or is it something else? Like I don't know. Like boat racing, like boat, like boat racing in a rugby club. Well, there you go. So yes, this is. This I just is, don't have time in my day. I need to neck my water. The broadcaster of the world's biggest podcast. I would also say he's he's kind of America's Jeremy Clarkson in that sense. Very outspoken, very divisive character. Says what he thinks, and he does America's version of Top Gear, as you'll hear him talk about, as well as some rugby problems which we pose to him. This is Adam Carolla on the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Great to speak to you. Now, Adam, while you're also in the UK, I know that in, in the US you did a kind of US equivalent of Top Gear, obviously with what's happened with Jeremy Clarkson recently. Isn't it a perfect time to just sync that up and, and get that gig for yourself while you're over here? Top- it would be nice. And yeah, I did the I did the US Top Gear pilot, actually. Um, and then it never went anywhere. And then I went and did another TV show and then they actually made the U.S. version of Top Gear. But is the U.K. version of Top Gear, or what we should just call Top Gear, is that just completely done, Uh, over with? Well, interestingly, they're thinking of replacing Jeremy Clarkson with a girl that does cakes. So uh, they're getting rid of an actual motoring journalist and replacing replacing him with, um, yeah, a cake journalist. Brilliant. Oh, You know what? We always do this, and we do it here, and you guys probably do it there, where we go, well, we're going to replace the old white guy, and we got to replace the old white guy with a young black guy or a female (laughs) or a Puerto Rican guy. How about we just find another old white guy? Who likes cars? (laughs) Who likes cars? How, How about, wouldn't that at least be a tie? I mean, in terms of diversity... You got rid of an old white guy and you replaced him with an old white guy who likes cars. Now we're still tied in the diversity game of chess we're all playing in life, right? Indeed. Well, that's exactly why you're here, because you are a problem solver. Oh, we know this. That's we know right. this. Because, you know, in in NFL, you have been responsible for solving some big contentious issues and contributing to the sport in that way. And in rugby, I mean, are you even aware of the game of rugby? Yes. Uh, they're some of the most attractive men on the planet. Oh, thanks, they, Adam. They, you know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do because our NFLers, they're just too big, you know. They're, they're, we don't, you know, it's funny because women in the United States, when they look at a sport for men to be attracted to or for them to be attracted to the men, basketball, they're too tall. Football, they're too bulky. Um, Baseball, they chew too much tobacco and have uh, bizarre facial hair. I think American women would really be into rugby players physically. Well, I'm not allowed to say this um, publicly, but when we were over in Chicago for the uh, USA against New Zealand game, um, I can't confirm or deny whether that was the case in the bars in Chicago. Uh, I mean, I can't confirm or deny either, but you know, it certainly looked like the case. Yeah. We have some problems in rugby that I think you can contribute to, even with uh, a limited knowledge, because what's happening... Here's one thing, right? Just shoot from the hip and say what you think. We have a video ref who is an old guy in a box, removed from the game, who is just not very entertaining to watch when this video ref gets involved. At least in NFL, they have like a... It looks like the referee's going over to have a little peep show under that curtain. Yes. Well, I've I've cured this, and this is one of the things I've suggested in the NFL, I can suggest it for rugby as well. Um, Our problem with the NFL is the guy goes and takes a look under the curtain and he has to decide whether the guy's foot was inbounds or out of bounds or whatever the call was. And oftentimes he comes back with a verdict of it looked like his foot was out of bounds, but it was inconclusive and it was not enough to overrule the rule on the field, the the one that was made on the field. And I said, I want the person who's looking at the replay to have no knowledge of what went on on the field or even earlier that day. And I suggested a replay gimp. I don't know if you guys have 
know, with leather and a ball gag, and he, he stays in the he stays in the bowels of the stadium. And when it comes time to make the call, they pull him out of the stadium. And at first, he's almost blinded by the sunshine. And he's, you know, he's fighting. He has a handler. He has a handler. She's a beautiful woman. And he pulls him, and he either goes thumbs up or thumbs down. And, again, he doesn't know anything about the game. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know what day it is. He's just fed and kept in the bowels of the stadium by his gimp handler. And the real fun part is when he puts thumbs down and the home crowd starts booing, his his handler starts beating him viciously with with, with, with his leash as she's running him back to the bowels of the stadium. That, that sounds reasonable. I think I think that's wholly reasonable, right? That good. We 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 can tick that one off then. Um, now the next one. That there's this phrase which I think has been used a lot in NFL. It's now being used so much in rugby this season. Duty of care oh. and safety and players now yeah. having to be responsible for. The, the safety of the opposition, who you're, you train every day to hurt. Right. Yeah, I know. Especially if you're a quarterback and you're, you know, uh, a quarterback that is of note and the linebacker hits you or whoever's rushing in and they just catch part of your helmet with their helmet. It's a flag every time. Exactly. Yeah. I... I there's there's unintended consequences too because guys because they don't want to go up top and get helmet to helmet they go down low and a lot of these guys are getting their knees blown up i have said this for years all right i think i have a way to do it okay um we need to take the helmets because we're these guys are making a lot of bad calls where the helmets are going to the shoulder pads or going going to uh, another part of the guy's body, but it's not helmet to helmet or head to head. I guess you guys would just be head to head contact. No, I yeah, don't know you what know penalty it. If, if you even go near someone's head, that that's it. You're done. Yellow card. You're off. Well, first things first. What do these guys really need their heads for later on? For anyway, it's not any. It's not like any of these guys did any studying in college or in, even in high school. What? What do you think they're going to do? Go manage a hedge fund? They don't need their heads. These are the last guys in the world that need their heads. We need their bodies. Nobody needs their heads. You know what I mean? It's like, what I'm saying is like, prostitutes do a lot of drugs. Do we care? No. They're, they're prostitutes. We don't need their heads. They're not running daycare services. They're not performing surgery. They're not driving school buses. So Making sure we got a balanced budget. Oh, yeah, wow. There's, nothing, there's no need for their head. It's not like once you retire from rugby, you go on to focusing on uh, childhood diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so wow. I'm going to deconstruct. I'm going to deconstruct the question and say we don't even need their heads. What are we even arguing about? Right, so let the boys play. Get on with it. Uh, well, One thing that I think rugby does have over NFL is I think NFL is a bit more like the soccer in England where the players don't really have much personality. When you hear them talk, it's just one cliche after another. And In NFL, I just watch and it's always like, I'm going to compete. I'm going to be competing. It's like, yeah, I know you're going to compete. That's what you're paid to do. That's your job. Yeah, you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So, of course right. you are. But in rugby, actually, that's one thing I think NFL could take away. The players have um, a lot of banter. You can imagine going out for a beer with these guys and, and getting on well with them. Yeah, no, I, I know. That's that's because they don't get paid that much. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, yeah. when you get paid a crap load of money, all of a sudden you start you stop saying anything anymore because you don't want to get fined. You, people start printing what you say. You know, if if I don't know what the top rugby guy gets, but if he was getting, you know, if he was signing $120 million contracts, he'd learn to shut up too. Do you reckon there's yeah. kind of like a an equation or a graph where it kind of breaks even between how much money you earn and how boring you get? Well, think about homeless people. They talk to themselves, they talk out loud, they talk about... They're, they're some of the people who do the most talking, and they're the most offensive, 
and nobody gives a crap, right? They have zero income. That's why. The more money you make, the more you have to shut up. At a certain point, when you're the, the leader of a Fortune 500 company or you're running a huge business or you're a head of a state or you're running a newspaper or uh, a network, you have, you have to shut up. So, yeah, I could show you the graph, but once you get, a, you know, over about five million bucks a year, you got to learn to shut up. Well, if, so, yeah. if that isn't an argument for a salary cap, I don't know what is. <laughs> the soccer players, the football players, they get paid a ton, right? Yeah, Quite a lot, yeah, quite a lot. Uh, yeah, um, on par with the NFL guys, that's I guess. Why that's why they're boring. Well, right. well, I'll tell you what, I have it on good authority that Glendale, Glendale Raptors, uh, who are one of the premier rugby union sides in the US, are very near where you broadcast the Adam Carolla show, I believe. Yeah, your your studio's in yeah. Glendale, right? So just pop on down. They'll, they'll give you a have a pint with them, and there'll be some good good banter in the in the clubhouse. Right? How much do they get paid? Oh, no. oh it's amateur. amateur. It'll be amateur. amateur. So you'll have a right. You'll have a really good time. That's what I'm saying. We'll have a great time. No one gets paid. Thanks again so much for your time, Adam. Uh, I know you're a busy man, so I'll I'll just remind our listeners um, that you can see the. Adam Carolla live show at the Bloomsbury Theatre in London on September the 10th, and that's adamcarolla.com. We'll be there, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you there, Adam. Thank you. We'll see you then. Cheers, Adam. Have a nice day. Sure, guys. Take care. What a guy. That was Adam Carolla. <laughs> Biggest podcast in the world, and now he's appeared on the, the best podcast in the world, the Egg Chasers <laughs> Rugby Podcast. Uh, yeah, I think the guy could talk about anything, quite frankly. I, I, I love his solutions for rugby, particularly the... The, the, video, the, replay the, the, the replay gimp. The replay gimp is pretty much spot on because they already keep him in like a small box on the outside of the uh, outside of the studio. It's just a case of logistics, really. I think. Well, I think he's onto something. Do you know what? Also, what we were talking about there at the end of that little chat with Adam Carolla was about the different the the way that sports people talk and the the cliche filled way that American footballers talk and the fact that I, I think I, I just want to demonstrate that rugby players aren't quite in that bracket yet, but maybe when they earn some more money, as we were just hearing, they will be. Did you see this latest post match chat from the Badge, the Honey Badger, Nick no. Cummins? When we recorded the podcast last week. It had only just gone up on the web, so we kind of missed it for last week's podcast. But um, here it is. This is Nick Cummins talking after Western Force's defeat last weekend. And I'm just going to do the translation of this. So this first bit would be the equivalent of, at the end of the day, the boys gave up all, but we were disappointed with the result. Oh, mate, you know what? It sound like I've been bloody whacked in the Niagara Falls. Sorry about that. <laughs> this next bit would be... Uh, this next bit would be... Uh, well, you know, at the end of the day, we gave 110%. All credit to the opposition, though. Uh, we gave everything, but it wasn't quite enough. Look, I tell you what, you know, the mindset was just to get up the guts and just press forward and leave it all out there. And, oh, mate, geez, we're, there's a bees wanger in it. We're not far off. Oh, sorry, <laughs> what? A what? The what? There's a bees wanger in it. Ah, so they, they okay. only just lost. Bees. Geez, we're, there's a bees wanger in it. We're not far off. <laughs> and finally, this, this bit would be... All credit to the fans at the end of the day. We hope they keep coming and cheering on the boys and we'll keep giving 110%. We're going to buddy, kick the tyres and light the fires, so uh, get your jexy <laughs> down, banging on a seat, and we'll uh, shake hands and tell a few stories after the game, eh? <laughs> man's a wizard. <laughs> the man's an actual wizard. <laughs> right, still to come on the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. By the way, get in touch with us at Rugby Podcast on Twitter, uh, listen on the Acast app or at iTunes. And oh, if you go on iTunes, leave a review. It does help uh, bump us up the charts. It, little the star ratings, whatever you think. I'm not. I'm not we're not asking for compliments. But we are constructive <laughs> feedback. And uh, if you like it, then yeah, great. Take take a minute out of your time to let us know, and that'd really help us out. Uh, we're going to talk about the European Champions Cup final. We're going to, we feel you've prepared a little quiz, despite being on a on a holiday around Vietnam. I have. But uh, let's get back to the Premiership. Firstly, well, actually, let's just touch on. Do you see the result from the championship? A no, it didn't. A win for Bristol. They yes, came, they they inflicted a bit of a psychological blow, I would say, ahead of the playoffs. In all probability, be the final in the championship playoffs. Bristol against Rotherham, and it's going to be Worcester against London Scottish. Do you have the scores? Can you tell us anything about the game? Twenty six, twenty two. Worcester were ahead, and Bristol came from behind and won. We're close. Did Gav get all the points? Nope. What? Oh. <laughs> uh, it was three tries to two in favour of Bristol. Good close game. Hint. Sorry, Fair, Jay. JB. Oh, Jay, that's outrageous <laughs> etiquette. Yeah, it hints at being a, a really entertaining final. But the Premiership, then. So, where does the balance of power lie now? Because 
Bath are on good form, look like they've got their players firing. They don't have to worry about trying to accommodate Sam Burgess in the centre anymore. Yeah. You've got Northampton, who, after a really bad set of results, have won. Saracens now have had two disappointing results. One where they sort of held their puff their chest out, and the one yesterday, oh, I don't know, I think they'll be really kicking themselves. I think so as well. I think they really wanted to beat Northampton, just simply for the fact that they know Northampton have got their number in the playoffs. It was an, an even bigger loss than the score suggested, if that made sense, because I think they really need that, need the, that for the conference going forward. The psychological loss, yeah. you mean. Well, and turning things around for Northampton, it would be a massive psychological boost for them yeah. because they, they've been on a dreadful run Yeah, by their standards. Yes. It's interesting that I felt the scrum looked pretty decent for, for Northampton, which over the past few weeks is exactly the place that, I, that, I, that I'd be attacking them. But it's a decent scrum with Waller and Mike Haywood. Well, Corb started, didn't he? Corb started yeah. and Celesi Ma'afu, who could He's... well be turning out for Australia in the World Cup now. Of course, yeah. Oh, he won't have anywhere near enough caps, will he? Well, uh, well, let's briefly touch was... on that then, because the new the new Gitto clause, yeah. <laughs> um, well, we've named it that, no one else has. Um, but <laughs> us, Mike Checker, the pragmatist, and the ARFU have changed the rules on overseas players who before now weren't available to play for the Wallabies, but now are, so long as they've played seven years in the Super Rugby for a Super Rugby franchise in Australia. Well, it's it's seven years of having an ARU contract. Oh, okay. So that's over and above playing Super Rugby. So seven years involved in the national setup. Yeah. Hmm. And 60 caps. I think the 60 caps... 60 ca- caps? 60 caps, which only really gives you Matt Gitto and Drew Mitchell. George Smith... As well. Oh, George Smith as well, yeah. And Rocky Elsom. Where the hell is Rocky Elsom? Because I can't find him on Wikipedia. <laughs> He's is he at Bordeaux, uh, is he? No, no. Nabon. Second, oh, okay. second tier. Not, not, is it Narbonne? Narbonne, sorry. Nabon, Narbonne. Nabon sounds like a weapon or something. Second tier uh, French rugby playing alongside which uh, New Zealand back row? Former New Zealand back row? Jerry Collins. Jerry Collins, oh, yeah. Wow. Look pretty, at Beardmore Girl. Pretty handy back row uh, in second division wow. rugby. But, yeah. you, there are some pretty handy teams there. Elsom, I don't think, is eligible because his seven years was disrupted by a spell at Leinster. So yes. he has he has the seven years. Well, not? But, he has... but, but what, what I'm saying is, because this also gives them access to Adam Ashley Cooper, who's on his way to France. After the World Cup. After yeah. the World Cup. And also, but I think they'll change the rules because isn't Dean Mum is, well, he's going back to the Waratahs. He's going back to Waratahs, so it won't count. So it won't count. But, but because he's on his way back to, I think they'll just relax the rules and you'll get Dean Mum. Isn't there a guy who's on 58 caps as well? Uh, Chisholm. Two- does uh, it just sound silly? Ch- Chisholm, the lot. Like 60 caps sounds to me like a bit of a hard and fast rule. But and when you get like, exactly, the 58 cap guy. I know it's a, making a, a grey instead of black and white, but when you look at the Stefan Armitage situation and England players saying, I'll be disappointed if Armitage plays because I turned down the chance to go abroad. But basically some rule where you say something like, if you put in X number of years in the premiership, then you can, like you can go abroad with our the more with I, our blessing and still yeah, be involved. The more I think about it, just when you said with the Premiership, the more I dislike it. I think a lot of this comes down to the vanity of clubs saying we want our best players to stay. It hasn't hurt Wales. Everyone says it has hurt Wales. It has not hurt. The it's hurt, hurt Welsh domestic rugby. Yeah, yeah, the, um, but it's improved the national team. Whereas the French, the French league, where they keep all their players, their national team hasn't improved. I actually think quite the opposite. It might have selling a little. Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
a short-term benefit for the Welsh national team, but will have a long-term detrimental effect because you're affecting the grassroots. Yeah, not and the also, grassroots, you're but not, the domestic. Well, hold on. Premiership clubs have got all that money from BT Sport the, yeah. and the television rights in the Premiership, which is going to filter down. Yes. Welsh academies don't have that money filtering down. But what do you need it for? What are you talking well, about? How much money coach, do you need coaches, to get kids to want to coaches, play for your Ospreys? facilities. Is your facility going to be that much better if you spend three million than if you spend uh, six million? Probably not. All well, you need yeah, is a well, sports yes. hall and uh, a gym. No, that will make a difference. It will also have an effect on the number of people coming in at the bottom end, the number of people actually getting involved in rugby. If, if you have a strong domestic league, like the Premiership is arguably the best league in the world. Yes, and it as, is the best as, league in the world. Well, there's a few points to argue. It's had more than 50% of the results in the past two seasons have been in within one score. Mm-hmm. Sorry, 50% of the games have been decided by one score. They've had four separate winners in four seasons, yep. showing the compet- competitiveness. And for the past few seasons, there have been more tries in the Premier Premiership than there have been in either the Pro 12 or the Top 14. So like from several different points, it is the best the best league out of those. Or yeah. most competitive. Uh, yeah, and I'll tell you what. The revenues from BT Sport are increasing year on year. Mm-hmm. And that is good for that's good for England. It's good for not just those clubs, it's good for the English national and game. I, and for that reason, I don't think premiership clubs are going to struggle to keep hold of players. After the last World Cup, there was a massive fear about a player drain. I don't think there's the same fear as we stand no. ahead of a World Cup now because, precisely because, the Aviva Premiership is now such an attractive proposition for broadcasters that there's people willing to spend a lot of money, which means and the salary cap has been increased, which means clubs can flex their muscle and keep hold of the players. That in itself, I think, vindicates the decision to make these rules about no overseas players playing Complete, for England. Completely agree with you, Tim. I it, think it's completely di- completely no, different things that the, you're talking about no, here. They're not. They're not. It's all for the good of the game. All for the good of England rugby. There's the two sides of player availability. You can get George North style deals if you play in France to give them access to every, to Well, of course, the Premiership, the premiership has outlawed, outlawed George North-style deals now. Apart from the George North deal. It's apart from the George North deal, which is the only one. But in the future, that will not be the case. But in order to have the best league, I firmly... Sorry, in order to have the best national team, I firmly believe that you have to have the best domestic competition. And that's what England have got with the Premiership. That is not the case. What you I, need I, is the most kids coming through. And that is different to having the best league. In Ospreys, you've got Dan Bigger. Now, Dan Bigger was behind James Hawke and Gavin Henson. They both left. He stepped up, and he's still fairly young now, still playing. Behind him, you had Matthew Morgan. Well, Matthew Morgan's been poached for big money from Bristol. So instead, you've got Sam, you, you've got Sam Davis. For every guy that moves away, you can develop a new kid. But, I think that is almost as valuable as anything else. But well, it is more important in Wales because there's only four teams, whereas in the Premiership, you've got 12 teams. Yeah, but you've got maybe, a bigger population. Maybe 14 teams very soon. Yes, maybe. Uh, yeah, but it's, bigger, it's a much, much bigger population. Well, like know, 50 million against three. Yeah, but I, I, just, I just come back to this point. It's such an... What Wales may have spots open up for players like Dan Bigger to step in a year younger than they would have done anyway. But then look at guys like Mario Toji, Sam Hill, Henry Slade. It's it, well, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, they these clubs and Newcastle got a load of youngsters coming through. In fact, all clubs have got loads of youngsters coming through. They want to bring them through, so they, so they will when they're good enough. But I'll go back to this point: Wales may have have spots that some English clubs haven't had to just out of necessity put players in, see if they're good enough or not. Like Dan Bigger, and he turned out to be good enough. But what they don't have now is a massive pot of cash that the English academies have got yeah. to develop players and get the best coaches, but they're not developing the best players. fitness they're people, the best players. It's a best... big difference. No, look, fly half. England, England have got three potentially world-class fly halves under 23. Yeah. Owen Farrell, George Ford, uh, Henry Slade. Right. They're absolute class and they're coming through in that system. And, and in fact, the, uh, the salary cap actually helps contribute this because, yes, because you're getting the young guys coming through because... Because they make got sense. A, because if you've got a guy who's 20, he'll be on 75k or whatever it is. And he he's a lot more value to your hmm. squad, so it's worth bringing him Agreed. through. Agreed. So the salary cap will go up, and that's great. The salary cap is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, it increases competition and and all the rest of it. My point being is that more money and getting the best players into your league isn't necessarily. That's not what we said. It, well, it kind of is because you're what, saying the, po- that the, no, the point I just made is security the, of the English league is keeping the players. No, no, in. no. The point I just made is yeah, Wales may have may may lose Lee Halfpenny, so someone else comes in and plays fullback for Scarlets. Fine. That, that's great. It's like pruning a tree. However, when you get rid of the biggest branches, there's more growth. So I, I can see the merit in that, and I and I agree with you. What I'm saying is, what the Welsh regions don't have right now that the English Premiership clubs all have is a massive pot of broadcast rights money yeah. to spend 
on every part of their club, yeah. on the stadiums, on the infrastructure, on the coaches. But the fact of the matter is, when the salary caps increase and when more money becomes available to players, it doesn't necessarily mean it trickles down to the academies. It means usually, like in France, the best players and the older players too get, salary, get paid more. But the salary cap means... we. Salary cap. There's an imaginary salary cap in France. That, that is it. <laughs> yeah, a, a notional a salary cap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, mean, I don't know what happens in the Toulon Academy, but I imagine it'd be very hard if you're, you know, a Toulon second row to get in ahead of Bucky's Baki, Botha and Ali Williams. You're the one that just said tier two. There's a lot of good clubs in tier two in France. There's 14 teams in tier one, and there's some really good teams yeah. with players and like actually, Rock, with like players France like Rocky Elsom and Jerry Collins in tier two. So if a player has to go from Toulon's academy and go and find another club, no worries. Well, that's fine. Whereas in Wales, as, as Phil said, there's only four. Uh, again, that's absolutely fine. I or think three. I think more Welsh players. Four, three, four, three, uh, four. four. Oh, well, five because RGC. Um, <laughs> going back to Australia, where this started, um, I I actually think it's a really sensible move. They're they're not disrespecting players who've stayed in Australia to play in the World Cup. They're saying, you know what. Matt Gitto, for example, they haven't used his name, but that's the one everyone's been referring to. <laughs> yeah, Matt, that's the one. Matt, player Matt, M. M. Player MG. <laughs> yeah, player MG, who just <laughs> happens to be one of the best attacking players in the world and can unlock those outside backs for Australia. But Matt Gitto has put in time domestically. He was one of the stars when he was playing in Australia. He um, has amassed loads of caps and he's gone abroad. And I think players like that deserve to, to, to be brought back in. He'd get in pretty much any international squad, wouldn't he? Oh, he'd, get in he'd, walk, the, he'd walk into England's team. He would, yeah, at, in, at twelve. That, that, that would be the. That the would 12th. be the. Oh, fine. Thank goodness, Stuart Lancaster would go. I don't have to make a decision about centre anymore. I don't think he'd walk into Wales's team. Not because he's not good enough. He clearly is. Just I don't think he'd he's not part into, of Gatland's strategy. Did Ga- he get into Gatland Scotland? <laughs> they got uh, Georgia, D- Dunbar, and Bennett. Are yeah. Good teams. Just, just one little fact from uh, Gitto for this season. So he's only played seven games in the top fourteen. In those seven games, he scored four tries himself and has got ten assists, which puts him. So there's players who've, there's players who've played twenty two games this season. Ten assists is the most assists in uh, in the top forty, and he's got that in just seven games. Fact. Oh, we've missed you with the facts, Phil. <laughs> Do you know what they say, don't they, that the less you see some players, the better they get. That's certainly the argument with Steph- Stefan Armitage. The less that we see him in the Premiership, we think hey, he's some sort of Superman now. Here's a little thing before we Sorry, get in, before we get into the. Champions Cup final, as you mentioned, Stefan Armitage there. Who do you reckon has more of a loving? Okay, here's a little, pose a little one for you. Stuart Barnes and Stefan Armitage, or, B, or BT Sport and Sam Burgess? <laughs> well, you know what? Who loves who more? Because they both love, the, they both, oh, BT Sport loves You're not Sam Burgess. apples with apples there, because this is why. Stuart Barnes on Stefan Armitage, that is just man on man. But the BT Sports situation, that's group love. <laughs> that's they an love. orgy. Yeah. That's a really Sam, like Burgess Sam Burgess orgy right there. And all of them, all of them really like him all of the time. I know, it's incredible. <laughs> oh, he, but doesn't he look good? <laughs> mm, does he? Does he though? I he am does. getting, I, I, I like him a lot. I've said lots of nice things about him. I do think he looks better at six. I think he has ball security issues. If you had the whole BT Sport team trying to have an orgy with you, <laughs> I think you'd look after your balls quite carefully. <laughs> well, I, I, when he goes into contact, it always doesn't feel terribly safe to me. I think he'll. I think that's because obviously in league you can't strip the ball and there's yeah. not that urgency to hold on to it. And also the, he's looking for offloads. Hopefully that will come on, but that's just my biggest fear is that when he he seems every time he enters the line, since it's going to happen, like the ball ricochets off his leg for that one yeah. try. Or... He, he knew how to ride the chariot at the back of a mall. <laughs> yeah, he that's did. a good sign that for I, me. I, I could have scored that try, Tim. <laughs> I tell you what, he looks great. He looks absolutely superb standing next to Francois Lowe. That's a nice, that's a good looking back row, isn't, oh, it? isn't it? They're just so manly, so massive as well. Oh, I, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Number eights. Mm. Which number eights would you would you prefer? Because they're basically in the same mould here. Billy Vinopola, who is England's incumbent. You've got the future England incumbent, Nathan Hughes. Oh, and the previous one, Morgan. Morgan, yeah. Oh, when Nathan Hughes is available for England, wow. Next June. Next June. Yes. He's gonna play. He's got I think he's better than Billy right now. If you uh, he's certainly quicker than Billy, but they're both so good at breaking that tackle, that first oh, tackle. Playing both. I'd oh, love to see yeah. them both. Just play one up till half time and then bring the next one on. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love well, to see them both it. six and eight. 
They are, <laughs> I think he's a very special player. The more I see him, the more I like him. When you look at Billy Vunapola's stats, his um, tackles and his turnovers are very high as well. They, you could legitimately have one of them as a six. This is my strategy for building any team. Forwards, ball carry, backs run fast. And that's it, really. <laughs> I mean, everything else is secondary. I, th- I think you I think you could have them, particularly when you've got players like Dan Cole and Launchbury who do so much of that unseen hard work. When I write my um, Christmas list, list of Santa, I want Christian Wade to be on the wing for Bath. So you'd have Watson, <laughs> Watson on one side. You would have, um, what's his name? Fast fella, very good. Rocket Aguni. Rocket Aguni on the other side. And then Christian Wade. Jo- oh, Jonathan, jo- Jonathan Joseph Eastman Ford. Oh, and wow. And maybe they could sign Sim- uh, Simpson as well. Simpson at nine. Yeah. <laughs> Who, who's going to stop that? <laughs> good question. It could also be England's back line, terrifyingly. Yeah. Don't tell Stuart Lancaster what right. I mean. <laughs> Phil, despite being in Vietnam, has prepared a quiz. So nice one for that, Phil. Let, let's get into that. And then we're going to preview the European Champions Cup final. Excellent. A uh, little disclaimer before we start this quiz. I was drunk a lot in Vietnam and I wrote most of this in Vietnam. So if there's any mistakes, it's because I was drunk while I was writing. I can't believe you know. I, th- I was assuming you would have done this on your way to the studio to do the podcast, but you did it on your travels. I'm... I'm I'm grateful for that, Phil. Yes. That's commitment. Certainly is. Okay, question one. In the 2014 Heineken Cup final, Toulon beat Saracens 23-6. Who scored Toulon's two tries? Hmm. Next question. Okay. The Brumbies' Nick White has announced that he's leaving Australia... At the end of the year, which club will he be joining? Okay, next. Yep. Question three. Only one rugby team has won the Laureus World Sports Team of the Year since its conception in 2000. What on earth is that? Sorry, say again. (laughs) Only one. Have you you heard of the Laureus Sports Awards? No. So it's the Laureus Sports Awards. So they have like 20 awards each year. One of them is Team of the Year. And only one rugby team has won it since its conception in 2000. Which team was it? So, it? so it's World Sports Team of the Year. It's an international team. It's not given out to... Uh, oh, to well, I'll get rid of Worcester. Teams. <laughs> so which, which team has won it? Question four. How old is Topsy Ojo? Oh, no. He plays with his brother. What does that... <laughs> so? He's, he's your brother's mate. You've been to dinner parties with him and stuff, I'm sure. <laughs> Question five. Which Hurricanes player blew a certain try two weeks ago by placing the ball on his foot over the line, knocking it on rather than scoring? No idea. It's all right, Jay, I haven't got a clue either. Okay. Hmm, that sounds suspicious. Question six. Which team has scored the most tries in this season's Aviva Premiership? I've got. I've done horribly on, on this. I, I, no. <laughs> Question seven. Yeah. Who does Daryl Marfo? That's M A R F O. Play for. I have no idea. I can tell you, he's played a game this weekend. Thanks. So that could be anything from top fourteen, Pro Twelve, Aviva, or Super Fifteen. Yes, it he could play for any one of those teams. He could be playing for any one of those teams. What's his name? Daryl Marfo. M A R F O. <laughs> Final question. This is hard. This is one for you, Jay. Who is the all-time top try scorer in the Pro 12? Oh, all-time top try scorer in the Pro 12. All-time top try scorer in the Pro 12. Uh, God knows. Ready? No, no, yeah. no. I'm just gonna go. I haven't got a clue on most of those. So let's get into it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Um, last one. Last Sorry one. if it's too hard. Hang on. Good hang- game is a quick game. Yeah. Hang on. Right. Okay. First question. The two try scorers. Yep. In Toulon's 2014. Down. Tim, you've got. I remember. Bosh! Has he got written down? Have you got two try yes. scorers? I remember Joanne Smith scored because it was like the end of a fairy tale and Matt Gitto got the other one. Matt Gitto did score, yeah. Oh, the two try scorers. The two, you you've only got one written down. I've only got one. I went Gitto. It, <laughs> it was Joanne Smith and Matt yes. Gitto. Two point. J, one point. Go Tim, on. two. Okay. Who is Nick White going to join after the World Cup? Montpellier. Oh, you... Stad. Tim is correct. Yes! He's joining his dad, Jake White. Yes, 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 huh? yes. I, I, His dad's I... Jake White? <laughs> <laughs> is that a joke? That is a joke. Good. <laughs> Next one, the Laureus World Sports Team of the Year. I just said New Zealand because they were, went pretty much unbeaten 
and won the World Cup. Yeah, I put in, I put England, but then I actually put New Zealand. Crossed it out. So in New Zealand as well. Uh, New Zealand is incorrect. It's South Africa. What? For what? And it was in 2008 they won it, which was the year after they won the World Cup. Oh, okay. uh, 3-1. 3-1 to me. Uh, how old is Topsy Ojo? 35. I put 32. Uh, he's, he's only 29. Is he what? really? <laughs> no one gets a point for that. Wow. He's uh, yeah, two months younger than me. Um, He's been at Linares for 12 years. <laughs> he's been there for a long time. Because <laughs> they said 12 years. I was like, oh, this, guy, this, this kid must be... Okay, okay. Hurricanes player. Jane. Who, didn't who have a clue. Blew a certain try. Did, didn't even put a question on answer. Corey Jane. Is Ardi Surveyor. I'm surprised you've not seen the clip. He's r- running over the line and goes to put the ball down and put places it onto his own foot and kicks it forward. Oh. Uh, this is, this um, okay. Wasps. Question six. Most tries in the Premiership. Uh, I put Bath. Oh, that's a great shout. Damn it. One, one of well, you. I don't reckon it will be. One wasps. of you has got it correct. It was Wasps. Yes! Oh. A point! Well done. So, 72. 3-2. 72 3-2. ahead of uh, Northampton. 3-2. So Daryl Marfo. Uh, I think I know this one. Go on. Quins. Uh, I put on Chiefs. Just to give me double the chance because it could be Waikato or, <laughs> or, Exeter. <laughs> or Exeter. You could have put it on Sharks as well for, oh, the, for the double chances. <laughs> such an idiot. Uh, it, it is Quins, Tim. No, yeah. the guy. Come on. Four, is that an unassailable 4-2 yeah, you, lead? You, you won. It is. Right. 4-2. And the, the final one, top try scorer in the Pro 12. I Tommy just put Bo. Shane Williams. Gee, you are correct. It was Tommy well Bow. done. So, Tim wins. If only I didn't that first question, I'd have got John, John Smith as well. 4-3. Get in. Breaking your winner, <laughs> your one-week run of victories That's has it. come to an end. JB wins when he's playing against someone who's in Vietnam, and not <laughs> able to give answers. One fair and square. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Okay. After that Titanic showdown between me and JB, let's talk about the massive showdown that's going to happen in Twickenham. By the way, that's the first thing to discuss. It's in Twickenham. And do you know what that that means? Only 7,000 people from France are going to be in Twickenham. Twickenham is going to be half full for the Champions Cup final. Can we fill it? Claremont v Toulon. What a shame that is. I'm I'm amazed because there is a huge French population in Kensington in London. Surely you can go out offering some free tickets around there. Exactly. Well, no, what, what they've actually said is there's going to be 7,000 people travelling from the south of France. Ah, right. So, okay. there, yeah, there probably will be more that are based in, in England that will make the journey there as well. But the estimation is that Twickenham will have maximum 50,000 people really? there. Can we get tickets then? I'm sure we could probably stroll in and let us in on the day. <laughs> uh, yeah, I will not mind doing that. How? What am I doing next weekend? Nothing. Perfect. Hmm. So, one of, two way, one of two things is going to go down. It's either going to be a historic three wins in a row and three losses and three losses for Claremont yeah uh, or it's going to be a historic first win for Claremont at the third attempt it's like a movie script before we've actually started yeah fairy tale ending for one of the two teams so let's each pick one big showdown that we want to focus on one matchup between the two teams that you think could be influential and then we'll have three of the of the big the big matchups might not be that influential but both are versus Cudmore Ah, that's what I was going to pick. I know, that's what I got in there first. Oh, Cudmore. <laughs> Jamie Cudmore, Phil. It'll be a sad oh. day when Jamie Cudmore retires and he's no longer in, oh, in games like this. He's got a long he'll time. he'll live on in Phil's heart. He will. He's made of iron. He can't retire. Exactly. But Backy's Boater will be retiring and what a career that guy's had. What, the... I think for this one game only, only, the WRU, or World Rugby as they're called now, and the European rugby challenge cup whoever the organisers are say let the boys play and keep your cards in your pocket if these two fight <laughs> it, could be, it could be a ceremonial burning of the cards before the match starts exactly it's <laughs> on and if these two do do get into it I imagine it's going to be like a fight from Transformers so <laughs> yeah. do you like they throw each other through buildings and they fight into the night it's like a good 12 hour duel like skyscrapers and, getting knocked down in exactly. every direction. And by the way, if you did have cards, good luck with your flim, you know, your flimsy bit of cardboard waving at these two Goliaths as they, you know. Maybe they should have that written into the rules. You know where they go, like uh, if it's equal after full time, then it's extra time, then it's on try score, then it's on points. If, it's, if all those, it, basically, you should get down to if all those are equal, then it is a three-round bout, three three-minute bare-knuckle brawl between Cudmore and, and Bowser. This Bota. is where my fourth official idea comes in which is the oh, sorry fourth, the fifth official idea which is the 16 year old schoolboy excited 16 year old schoolboy with a blazer picks two guys one from each team to fight 
undoubtedly he would go Bucky's Botha and Jamie Cudmore please and away yes. they go genuinely that could be influential I mean they're not going to be the main line out ball winners but they're going to be massively important forget for when you think about the, the physical battle and the, the game line that's going to yeah. be so hotly contested and they're both not that bright uh, and what I mean by that is when I watched Toulon play against Leinster I mean, Bucky's both was lucky to stay on for diving all, um, all, all over Leinster attacking ball in the first five minutes and Cudmore has got a horrific disciplinary record. <laughs> so although they are very influential, maybe they're going to be influential for which one just manages to stay on the field. Yeah, they'll both be trying to wind each other up, won't they? I know. It's going to be great. It's going to be brilliant. Who, who's going to step back first? <laughs> Neither of them. Neither of them will step backwards, no it's way. It's got to come to blow, surely. Uh, anyway. Right, so that's that's highlight of the matchups. Number one, Phil, what would you go with? Uh, I would have to go with, we've talked about him at length today, Gitto who may be playing 12, maybe playing 10 against, let's hope he's playing 12 against my boy Fofana. Yeah. Mm. I think Fofana could, could have him, especially, especially in defence, because Fofana's just so lethal. Hmm. Well, they're very different. I, they I are, think, they? Like, like, actually, they would make a perfect combination because Gitto, what he's incredible at, as Phil already talked about earlier with the stat on the assist, is he's incredible at tying up the opposition and releasing people into space. Yeah. Fafana is a strike runner who hits a line and can, can yeah. beat someone on the outside. So it's kind of the contrast of styles with the two of them. They're both deadly, but in very different ways. And Fofana, when Claremont get that kind of line-bending runners from the forward, so they mm. don't break the line, but they just get over that gain line and Fofana picking a line off of that and the offload is absolutely lethal. So mm. they are very different, even though they'll probably be playing in the same position. It's tough to know. I think, given that Toulon's defence will be so good and they've got so many guys who can stop Claremont on the game line, it'll be more difficult for Fafana to get into the game. What is going on? Jay. You, do you know what the silent button is on your phone? No, it's it, outrageous. It's an alarm. I don't know why. Uh, every, why would you? Right, we, six gonna, we, we tried to do this. Well, we're going to have to make some rules. Like in the 97 Lions Tour video when... Tim Rodbert was doing they were doing the kangaroo court with Tim Rodbert and he was caught using his phone on the bench <laughs> we're going to have to make a rule if the po- if your phone goes off then we can use your phone to make a call on the God, podcast no. oh yes you, you can broadcast my internet history <laughs> <laughs> so I actually think that Gitto will come out on top of that battle just purely because of how the game will be played now I was in two minds about my area to pick up I think Cudmore Bota and Gitto Fafana are two brilliant shouts I, I was thinking about going for Carl Heyman's against the, the original Galactico against Zirikashvili, the two tight heads. And Zirikashvili's had an amazing season. He's probably been yeah. the form tight head in Europe. However, I'm going to go with two players at fullback. Oh. Lee Halfpenny and Benders! 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 Because I think if we're talking about Lee Halfpenny, it'll mm-hmm. be because he's kicked too long to victory and you cannot give away a penalty. Oh, the yeah. guy, it's ridiculous how good he is at kicking. Well, Whereas if we are talking about Nick Abendon, it's because... Claremont have managed to unleash the the strike runners that they've got and he's managed to find space. Whereas there's a lot of similarities between the two teams up front. When you actually look at half-penny benders, you couldn't get two more different fullbacks. No. No. Well, I think this is kind of like the Cristiano Ronaldo thing where everyone says, oh, he's not too good in the air. He's excellent in the air, but he's just so amazing at everything else. People forget he's good at the air. Uh, half-penny is actually a very, very accomplished runner. But he's just so reliable with his kicking and his positioning is and his positioning is best in the world, bar none. And I think that may maybe allows people to overlook what a good runner. I I, I disagree. Uh, I kind I kind of disagree. I think he's a terrible think. terrible passer. A terrible passer. Um, I don't think his running game's that strong. You saw uh, Wales against Italy when he came off and Liam Williams went to fullback. The yeah. difference that that made. Yeah, Liam Williams has more of an attacking. He runs with a little bit more intent. I think Liam we're, we're talking about the two best teams in Europe, and I don't think yeah. Halfpenny, were he not a kicker would warrant a place in the 15. Well, do you know what Halfpenny does do? But he's, in, he's incredible at kicking and for that reason alone I'd have him in every well, game. And just the, the knowledge in the back of your mind, we can't give away an offside, we can't infringe at the breakdown because Halfpenny will kick it, could actually make a massive difference. Keeps him honest. He keeps him honest just by being there and that, that could help Toulon win the game line battle. Just uh, two more things on uh, Benders. Yeah. Benders! So he's made the most metres of any player in the Champions Cup this season and he's beaten the most defenders of any player in the Champions Cup Fact. this season. Is that all just from that one game, though? Against <laughs> <laughs> Northampton. From being yeah. outstanding all season. Fair play. So, yeah, if could if um, Claremont can get that running game going, I, they could do it. But 
if Tlon can smother them, uh, it's going to be amazing. Isn't it amazing? Like two guys that have had incredible seasons, I and mean, the second season like this for Stefan Armitage, two Englishmen on the third field, season. one on each side. Yeah, third season. Two guys, two Englishmen, one on each side have had amazing seasons playing for Europe's two best teams in Europe's biggest club match, and neither of them are currently looking like they'll be getting a sniff to be fair to with me, the England squad. it's just lucky that England nailed on nailed on to win the World Cup and don't need these players who's your money on Phil I really really want to say Claremont but I think Toulon have just got the experience they've just got enough to smother to smother them so I'm going to say Toulon just Toulon would definitely win it if this was last year but I think I saw enough in the Leinster game to think they are starting to get a bit, a bit old. And in the same way that Toulon maybe have the kryptonite to smother Claremont, I actually think Claremont are the exact opposite. They're, they're the kryptonite to Toulon and they will tire them out. Mm. I think, again, I would love to see Claremont win. Equally, it's amazing any team to win three times in a row. You can talk about as much as you want about all the Galacticos and the players they've got. doesn't matter. To win it three times, that's consistency over a whole season and, and that that is to be commended and I think Toulon will and I'll go back to the, the matchup. I think I think it will come down to Lee Halfpenny I don't think there's going to be a lot of tries in it and I think it will just be that they've got the best kicker in the world mm. and if, yeah if they do win and Stefan Armitage ends up playing for England I think England will have three more Heineken Cup medals than they did than they did previously which mm. is zero or they've got one with Haskell uh, 2007 they won they might so have maybe, one Heineken Cup medal one Heineken Cup medal with Haskell, and that's it. Well, that, I mean, this is this is why we need Phil back for the facts because I'm only tentatively doing this. <laughs> I made that up. May, may not I be a fact. May not be a fact. No, no, don't, don't uh, take that back. <laughs> I tell, tell you what is a fact. I can't believe Northampton and Saracens didn't have a phone conversation about their kits before they ran out on the pitch yeah. together. Oh, I know something about these kits. Yeah. Okay, so on good authority that they had a maroon kit which had been blocked by the board. So this kit is a replacement kit for the kit which, kit which was blocked because they weren't they, they, uh, they weren't happy with it. Why? I don't know why, but that that is actually a replacement kit for a change kit. But interestingly, Northampton have always well not always traditionally have had a maroon kit. In fact, they even played a Teddy Bitter Cup final against London Irish in their maroon <laughs> kit, and they lost. Just check that out. Well, I have just checked out your. Uh... England no Heineken Cup medal fact ooh, ooh. and Haskell does have one he was on the bench in 2007 there you go fact yes I made that up I was right but you will add 300% 300% more Heineken 300% increase of Heineken Cup winners medals there you go I'm just having a quick look to see when the championship playoff semi-finals are oh do you want to say anything about the European Ch- Challenge Cup oh yeah European Challenge Cup I suppose <laughs> Harlequins and Sale Sharks will be desperate for Edinburgh to win Yep. to keep the playoff spot for the, well, I mean, this for the is, Champions Cup available. To be, to be fair, this is the week that the Challenge Cup finally becomes relevant. <laughs> um, Gloucester, what a ridiculous comeback as well against Newcastle. Did it finish 42-40? 42-40. See, this, games like this for me, and I'd say to a, to a lesser extent some of the other games, but the Wasps game as well. When you see some of the rugby that's attempted in these final weeks of the season... It says to me, I would personally move to summer rugby format. No. I'd ditch November, December, January. Do you January. think it's no relegation format? Because Newcastle have got nothing to lose. That's Maybe. What, that's, what, that's what I think. It's very difficult to play you know this what? kind of running rugby. Is it really interesting you say that, Tim? Because I was, I was thinking that today, how good summer rugby is. And I was sitting down to watch it. And as I sat down to watch it, I closed my curtains and blocked out the sun. I thought, I really want to be out in the sun but instead I'm here watching rugby and I think that's why they don't do it because people have got so much stuff to do in the summer that you want you want your rugby in the winter for uh, audiences yeah maybe I do, I do like the, the uh, global season though I think aligning everything makes a lot more sense yeah they need to align to our winter though don't they uh, mind you it needs to be one way or the other <laughs> whichever it is it needs to be aligned but I think you're more likely to grow the game if you're getting 42-40 matches than if you're having 12-6 victory absolutely could not agree more um, right I'm just seeing when the semi-finals are for, oh, for the Green King IPA yeah, oh yeah no no the semi-finals are this weekend coming oh, they? are they yes so the championship uh, semi-final these are two-legged affairs Bristol face Rotherham and the first leg is Ashton Gate on Saturday, 1.30pm kickoff. And the second leg is a week Sunday, the 10th of May, 
Were they actually bother televising these? At Rotherham. I would imagine they are on Sky Sports. I would have thought so, yeah. I hope so. These are some of my favourite games of the entire season. I love these games. So, so much on the line, isn't there? Mm. Yeah. It's the final over two legs as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, Brist- and Bristol get the home leg second because they what finish did- top. So the away leg of the semi-final, Worcester playing against London Scottish, is on Saturday, one forty-five kickoff. And the second leg is a week on Friday, the 8th of May, 7.45pm kickoff. if you want to keep an eye on the championship playoffs. There's something about me that says Dean Ryan's going to have his day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That'll definitely happen. <laughs> to add to all of his other days he's had. <laughs> uh, how do you see the Euro Challenge Cup final going? How do I see it going? One team's going to win. I don't I th- know which one. I think Gloucester are going to win. I think Gloucester as well. I can't see Gloucester not winning. But there again. I can. Edinburgh, a good team. Um, interesting. Uh, they've got some good pieces. I'll give them that much. I, I do like the scrum half. Uh, go Klein or whatever, you call, whatever his yeah, name is. Hidalgo Klein. Hidalgo, yeah, him. Um, other than that, indifferent to them, really. I, all that Gloucester needs to do is actually play as well as the pot of, of, of the parts of their team suggest they can play, and they should win this quite comfortably, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think Gloucester are actually starting to get... They are starting to kind of get it, aren't they? Yeah, they're starting to get it all together. It's finally they can come getting away. a bit better. So I, I, I'd say Gloucester. If they can come away with a trophy at the end of this season, when they've been pretty poor for the, most of the season... And a Champions a Cup place. Yeah. And a Champions Cup place. Oh, Gloucester. no, no, playoff place. Playoff place, sorry. Yeah. Against yeah, I think they're place, probably French good team. enough next year. Like, isn't this the same conversation we have every year about Gloucester? Yeah, we think that they're good enough, probably. <laughs> One or two more signings and they'll be a top four team. We, we said it a lot at the start of the season. And the start of last season. But, and I think we'll be saying it again at the start of next season, but that might actually be the season. Yes. And you know they've got a really good home crowd. And also, they're going to be wearing full hoops and navy shorts <laughs> next year. Oh, we hope. We, hope. We, can, we can only hope. We can only so, hope. Who knows? Guys, thank you very much um, for listening to the podcast. At Rugby Podcast, you can get in touch with us through the week. Tell us your thoughts. You can download the Acast app and listen there on iTunes as well. Leave us your reviews and stuff. Nice one, JB. Thank you, Tim. Nice one, Phil. Cheers, Tim. In a bit. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.